What's up, everybody? You're listening in to the Never Skip Egg Day podcast. This week, we continue our fad diets and eating lifestyles conversation, and we break down the Whole30 diet and what that means and why it might be right for you. Then, we do a deep dive into utilizing your leftovers and never wasting food. Stay tuned. What is up, everybody? You're listening in to the Never Skip Egg Day podcast with Brian Castillo. So, as I mentioned in the intro, we'll be continuing our fad diets and eating lifestyle series. So far, we have covered uh, intermittent fasting, which I'm currently doing. We did the paleo diet last week. This week, we'll be talking about Whole30 and what that means and what that diet is. I wanted to start the series with things that I've done or have uh, am currently doing, actually, like intermittent fasting when I talked about that in that episode. And all those back to basic series in the first four episodes still apply to all these diets. So definitely don't forget the key concepts of basal metabolic rate, uh, being in a caloric surplus versus a deficit, uh, versus standing or staying at your basal metabolic rate number based on your activity level, age, uh, performance goals, fitness, physical activity levels, uh, things of that nature. So keep all those concepts in mind. As we talk about these fad diets and eating lifestyles, when you you know try to determine maybe if you want to try them or if they're right for you, or you're just curious about experimenting, or you know maybe they align with your goals, so definitely keep those in mind. And if you want more details on any of those episodes, uh, please go back and check those out. So let's let's dive right in. So Whole30, uh, the premise of the Whole30, why it's called that, is to eat whole foods and eliminate all the crap from your diet for 30 days. Uh, Basically saying that if you do it for 30 days, it'll build a habit and uh, basically going a full month, hitting the reset button, if you will. So the Whole30 diet uh, was kind of started by the author of the book, actually, back in 2009. So Melissa and Dallas Hartwig. So they're a couple that started this book. And yeah, so that's that's where the name Whole30 comes from. And the premise of the Whole30 diet is to eliminate uh, certain food groups from your diet because they might be having a negative impact on your health, uh, your quality of life, or your, your body composition, your gut health. And you may not even be realizing that. So uh, what they challenge you to do is basically just eat whole foods for 30 days to reset your body to eliminate all of those variables that could be uh, having a negative impact on you and your health. Uh, And then it has like a slow reintroduction into those, or you can continue to live the Whole30 lifestyle. Uh, So, you know, I'll give my own personal experiences when I did this. Uh, Just like the paleo diet, I guess I tried this way too early. I, I did this in the 2016 timeframe. So uh, going on six-ish years ago when I did this, I've actually done it three times uh, where I just felt like it was a good time to sort of reset my body. So we'll talk about you know how to approach the Whole30 or at least from my perspective as well. But uh, the reason I say I was kind of ahead of my time is because same thing with paleo or uh, even keto, which we'll get into next week. Uh, There are so many more uh, items available at grocery stores, sauces, condiments, spices, uh, pre-made meals that are already Whole30 approved. There's so many more recipes out there. There's so many more videos on social media and 
So I'll, you know, when I get into the challenges of what I went through, it was really like just lack of resources. Like I pretty much had to do everything just based off the book, which was fine because the book is great. And I, I want to reference the book a lot because even though there's a lot of information online and even their website associated with the book is great and it has lots of free recipes and content and there's like Facebook groups or uh, social media outlets where you can go to to get more information on Whole30. I really find that the book is the best resource. Uh, and giving that disclaimer that I did this back in 2016 and 2017 when I did it multiple times. But essentially they're testimonials, you know, when we talk about health benefits of doing this uh, from people who have tried this, they found that it has helped with diseases such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, regulating type one and type two diabetes, asthma, allergies, not just food allergies, uh, sinus infections, hives, skin conditions, uh, infertility even in some cases, you know, going off of the book, and a whole slew of uh, gastrointestinal diseases, celiac, Crohn's, uh, ulcerative colitis, uh, stomach ulcers, chronic fatigue, uh, joint pain, things of that nature. And, you know, we, we touched on that with paleo a little bit too and intermittent fasting that, you know, even going back to our Back to the Basics series uh, with calories in and calories out, that concept of we have inputs and outputs. So we have inputs into our body in the form of nutrients and food and beverages. And then we get outputs based on those inputs and we same thing with your you know the process of digestion and things of that nature and how those things perform are impacted by uh, the inputs into our bodies right so it's no surprise here that again if you just stuck to whole nutritious foods for 30 days that you could imagine that you can uh, reduce inflammation or uh, lose weight potentially because you're just hyper aware of what's going into your body and you're being conscious about it to get and to get the results you desire and then maximize your performance, whatever your performance goals may be. If it's just overall health, if it's losing weight, if you're training for a competition. Again, you know, we're all about uh, food and fitness on the Never Skip Egg Day podcast. So that's that's the premise. And that's why Whole30, the co key concepts of Whole30 really align with what I'm trying to preach, right? of sticking to whole foods, quality ingredients, and some sort of regimen, and you will get the results that you desire, right? And making sure that it's calculated and you're not just flying by the seat of your pants. So uh, similar to intermittent fasting, Whole30 has a time component to it, uh, not in the same way, so you don't have like an eating window like we talked about in intermittent fasting, but you do have a time period where you have to adhere to the program. That's why it's called the whole 30. Uh, and the time period is 30 days, a month, a 12th of the year, right? So that's that's how long it would take to reset and flush some of the, these things out of your body and then get rid of some of the negative habits uh, that you might have had beforehand, right? And so we'll go over the program rules here uh, for whole 30 as said in the book. So uh, number rule number one, is do not consume added sugar of any kind, real or, or artificial. So this is a lot stricter than paleo, where you know in paleo you could theoretically have honey or uh, like a uh, um, 
coconut sugar or something like that if you see those in a recipe or agave syrup when it comes to whole 30 no added sugar period end of story that means no maple syrup honey agave coconut sugar splenda uh, xylitol stevia etc so you really have to pay attention to those labels one of the things that i found when I was doing Whole30, even something like lemon pepper seasoning, where you would just assume like, oh, this is lemon and pepper. Nope, has added sugar most of the time. So you got to really be diligent about that stuff. Number Rule number two, do not consume alcohol in any form. Uh, that obviously includes wine, beer, champagne, vodka, whiskey, etc. Uh, you can't even use it for cooking, even if you reduce that. Uh, makes sense because alcohols are... Uh, pretty much empty calories. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. And uh, alcohols tend to just break down the body as sugar. So if you can't add, eat uh, or consume added sugars, it makes sense why you can't have alcohol. Do not eat grains. Uh, this one's kind of interesting, right? Because we talked about some of the pitfalls in paleo, why I think, you know, it's not necessarily the best. But again, the whole premise of Whole30 is to an elimination diet to figure out what might be adversely impacting your body so you're really just sticking to whole foods technically grains such as wheat rye barley oats corn rice etc would not be considered a whole food we talked about that because there's light processing of that so uh, be mindful of that uh, one of the other things that you can't have uh, that's associated with grains is corn you might be thinking well corn is a vegetable yeah but corn doesn't have uh, it's, it's not very nutrient dense and it kind of breaks down as sugars as well. Uh, something that this shares with the paleo diet is you can't have legumes. Uh, so beans are probably the most popular legumes along with peanuts, but that means chickpeas, peas, uh, lentils as well. So none of that. Uh, that also, when we think of legumes, you have to consider soy. So if like you were vegetarian, this would be a really restrictive diet or vegan because you couldn't have things like tofu or edamame even when it comes to the Whole30. Uh, obviously no dairy, so that includes uh, cheese, milk of any kind, any milk product, yogurt, kefir, sour cream, etc. The uh, only exception to this rule that it allows you to have is clarified butter or ghee because you've essentially taken out your whey protein solids and your milk solids out of that so it's been somewhat filtered so you've essentially filtered the dairy out of it if you use those products uh, for either a flavor addition or even the cooking right like cooking an om uh, omelet for example in clarified butter or ghee uh, don't consume any uh, carrageenan so MSG or added sulfites. So when we think of those, think of like preservatives or MSG obviously is associated with uh, Chinese food. So uh, you have to be aware of that. So reading labels and everything like that is really critical with this. You can't recreate baked foods, treats, or junk foods with approved ingredients. So I think this is really kind of foolish, honestly, because you're still using the whole food ingredients. But the point is to eliminate things, right? So they're basically saying like, don't make any uh, banana egg pancakes or almond flour breakfast muffins or something like that, or paleo bread, like we talked about with the paleo diet. It really doesn't want you to basically give in to your previous habits and cravings because that's the point of the Whole30 program is to eliminate those things. 
Uh, and then <clears throat> one that we've kind of talked about uh, with the food scale and the kitchen mattering more in terms of measuring, uh, but you're not allowed to weigh yourself or take any weight measurements. Uh, they're very, very, very strict on saying that this is not a weight loss program, uh, even though that is kind of one of the byproducts of just doing this, right, typically. So they don't want you to focus on your body composition because you may be hyper-focusing or doing this for the wrong reasons, right? It's to understand uh, what inputs maximize the outputs from your body and, and basically getting rid of the toxins in your body. So those are the rules The you know, goes into the 30 days, obviously, and then it even talks about a reintroduction program. So for example, if you did have celiac disease or if you had type 2 diabetes, for example, and let's say you did a blood panel before you started Whole30 and you did a blood panel after uh, to kind of gauge where you were at and the impact that it had on your body, well, then it would want you to slowly reintroduce things. So let's say you had never been diagnosed with celiac disease, but you suspect that uh, gluten has an uh, adverse effect on your body and impact. So you would slowly introduce the foods that you eliminated one at a time. So you let's say you get to day 30, and then on day 31 you have some dairy, and then you go back to Whole30 for two to three days, or maybe even a week, and then you just see what happens after that. Full disclosure with you, I don't have any of those um, diseases or chronic diseases that it talks about that this is really beneficial for. So I, I pretty much just stopped Whole30 after I was done. I never went through a reintroduction period. But I highly would recommend you do in case you're trying to see if certain things maybe give you a migraine or something of that nature. So when it comes to the book, it's broken up into four main parts. Uh, well, actually five. The closing section is just a lot of helpful tips, but there's five main parts. So the part one, the author really does a deep dive into what Whole30 is, how to get started, the, the rules that we just went over, and it really goes into detail of what the timeline looks like and what you should do or what they recommend for reintroduction, even though that's going to vary for everybody based on uh, your pre-existing conditions or what you're doing Whole34. Uh, everything you need to know is in part two, so general questions, uh, talks about grocery shopping, uh, what to do when dining out or if you have to travel, if you have certain medical conditions. They give guidance for vegetarians and vegans if you're trying to do this. And then uh, part three is one of the cooler parts, I think, actually. And I, there's a couple of cookbooks that I have that I really love when they do this, where they recommend what kitchen essentials you need to be successful. So in particular, this one, you know, it goes over like having a garlic press for flavor addition, right? Because you could have garlic, but you may not be able to have like typical dried garlic seasonings that you've had because you might have added sugars. Uh, and what I really like about her approach is it's not saying go out and buy a thousand dollars of fancy cooking equipment, you know, talks about nice to haves and then the cooking essentials. And we talked about kitchen essentials, essentials back in our meal prep episode. So same, same kind of concept there. And then part four is all of their recipes and she actually creates shopping lists. She gives a seven day meal plan sample and example, which is pretty good. So the paleo book, the practical guide to the paleo diet that I talked about last week is a much better book in my opinion. 
but you know, um, this one is still pretty good too. And then it goes, it breaks into recipes into various categories like eggs, red meat, poultry, side dishes, things of that nature. And then in part five, it really just talks about the resources, um, the Whole30 appendix, kind of their closing comments of why they did this and why it's important for, uh, you know, overall health and lifestyle and things of that nature. And so going to my personal experience with that after I you know, just broke down the book and the concept of the Whole30 diet, which again, I highly recommend to anyone who in particular uh, just assumes that well, or, or is suspecting that they have some sort of issue going on, inflammation, high blood pressure, whatever that may be. So if you go back and listen to our first ever episode, uh, you'll recall that I did have high blood pressure for a portion of my life. It's hereditary in my family. Heart stuff is hereditary in my family. Uh, so this was actually recommended to me from a coworker uh, just something that they were doing to just try to be better and overall healthy. And so they let me borrow their book and I read it and I ended up buying my own. And I ended up doing this with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. So we did it together. So I highly recommend you do it together, especially if you're like a couple or a family or something like that. And, and honestly, the main reason why is because you don't want to be tempted by uh, outside forces when you're doing this. Uh, you know, you don't want to be eating Whole30 by yourself and then your partner, spouse, significant other, kids or whatever are having all of those cravings and temptations that you really want at the time. So it, it just makes it easier on yourself when you're doing that. But so let's talk about what, you know, benefits I saw from it first. So clearly uh, just by uh, so actually, let me preface that by saying I didn't calorie count while I was doing this. I didn't, you know, do a, a reset of my BMR. I didn't calculate my BMR when I was going into it. Uh, you know, in the book, it talks about getting rid of all the stuff in your pantries. I'm not big on wasting food. So we did try to eat more of it before we picked like our start date to get through it. Uh, and then we picked a month out of the year where we didn't have like a lot of birthdays or social events or anything like that. So if you can do that, I recommend that because it is really hard to do that when you're trying to be social and going to other people's houses for things and have either, you know, you basically either have to take your own food or don't partake in what's there because uh, you can't confirm even something like the seasoning not having added, added sugar. So just wanted to preface it with that. But I lost, the, the first time I did it, uh, I lost 19 pounds in 30 days, which I, I don't know if that's necessarily healthy, but that's roughly, if you, you know, you do the math, that's roughly four pounds uh, every week. I mean, so, you know, that was pretty significant, right? And um, I want to say, like, I did it, you know, I, I talk about in the first episode that my whole goal, you know, I love, obviously I weight train and I just wanted to try to be overall healthier. And obviously in the beginning, I really needed to focus on losing weight. And so I, this, this appealed to me because I could lose weight and body fat, which I succeeded in both. And then uh, obviously I didn't take a weight uh, during the program 
like it said, and I didn't do measurements, but at the time I was weighing myself weekly before that. So I did have a baseline to go off of and I obviously weighed myself after. Uh, I definitely noticed a significant change in like uh, my body fat percentage and I lost about two inches off of my waist and I felt really good. And it forced me to get really creative in the kitchen, which I thought was cool too, uh, because again, this is an elimination diet. So I had to be fairly restrictive with what I was buying, what ingredients I was using. Uh, the lifesavers on this diet uh, so were Epic products. So, you know, Epic protein bars, which are basically just beef jerky. Well, uh, animal jerky bars. They have like a turkey cranberry. They have a bison one. Those were very helpful. Uh, it got me to really appreciate coffee, which was cool because I was drinking it black and I and I really, you know, acquired a taste for coffee at its purest form. So that was really cool. I didn't notice an energy change or anything like that. Of course, after like seven days into it, I was pretty hungry because I was putting my body into shock. Uh, so let me talk about the lifesavers on it. So the Epic bars, because those are quick, convenient, and easy. Uh, eggs, going back to the, the title of the podcast, right? Never skip egg day. Well, that's very true on Whole30. Uh, so eggs were a lifesaver just because you could prepare those in a few different ways and they keep you full. I would make uh, avocado egg salad quite frequently while I was uh, on Whole30, which was just hard-boiled eggs mixed with avocado and then approved seasonings and things like that. And so that was very helpful in keeping me full. And potatoes, 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 potatoes were a lifesaver. And I'm not even the biggest potato guy in the world, but uh, baked potatoes with uh, ghee or clarified butter or olive oil, and some seasoning or roasted potatoes with some fresh herbs and things of that nature. I ate potatoes almost every day, kept me really satisfied. Uh, and then being from New Mexico, uh, green and red chili were essential. Uh, red chili, not so much. I'm actually more of a green guy. So if you're from New Mexico, or you're for, uh, familiar with the green versus red debate, the state question, green or red or uh, when you hear Christmas, uh, you can order your plates like that with both chilies. Uh, green chili, especially like chopped, chopped green chili, just gave things a lot of flavor. Uh, and fruit. Fruit was essential uh, just to get you through it because you could have fruit on the go and things of that nature. And that's not added sugar. And so it would satisfy that if you have a sweet tooth or something like that, too. The, the downsides of Whole30, I would say, is if you're going to do it, you should really just try to cook at home for that month. I, I really do recommend it because the few times we would go to restaurants and things like that, you know, asking the waiter, hey, is this, you know, is this omelet cooked in butter? Can I get it cooked in this instead of that? What kind of seasoning does this have? Can I just get salt and pepper? And you really can't confirm what goes on in the back of the kitchen, right? So don't beat yourself up if something like that happens. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to like start at day one. Uh, just try to be mindful and do the best you can when you do it. But, um, you know, I talked about intermittent fasting, how I felt like more energetic and it's a better time saver for me and it fits my schedule more. This would be the opposite. This this definitely hinder. I'm, I'm not, you know, the biggest social butterfly in it by any means or anything like that. But it, it just made going to a restaurant even a bit cumbersome, right? For the reasons I just explained and as you can imagine. But these days, 
there's a lot more options out there, especially in the grocery stores. So it'd probably be a little bit easier to you know, inject flavor and, and seasonings and things like that into your cooking program. But if you're going to do it, you know, try, try to stick to at home or if you're going to go do things like that, there are plenty of times where I'm not the biggest drinker in the world anyway. So not having alcohol isn't a big deal for me, but my wife's a social drinker. And so, you know, that would stink if she went to like a girl's night and they had dinner and wine and she couldn't partake. So just be mindful of those things. I, I personally don't think this is a lifetime solution, but I think it is cool and that everyone should try to do it to reset your body. That's why I've done it three times because it really just does hit the reset for you if you feel like you've kind of hit a plateau or a lull or something like that. It just gets back to the basics of whole foods. And if I were to do it again now or moving forward, and maybe I will to you know report back on my experience in this podcast or something like that, I I would definitely go into it a little bit even more regimented. I would try to uh, stick to my current BMR and caloric uh, goal and things of that nature and even still try to hit my macros. So I think that would be really important while eating whole foods. And you'd be surprised how much consumption of food you have to do when you don't, when you're eating just whole foods, even just like a 2000 calorie a day diet it's quite a lot of food and you'd be eating a lot. I bet you'd be surprised. So that's basically what Whole30 is. Uh, I've done this one. So when we talk about keto next week, that'll be the final one that I've officially done. And then the last one I kind of want to touch on is this thing called the 80-20 rule. And then at some point we'll probably go into the uh, food pyramid since a lot of people still associate that. And they're uh, you know still teaching that one, at least in America. Uh, and then we'll start a different series. But yeah, that's pretty much it for Whole30. I encourage you to get the book if you're going to try it and definitely pick a time throughout the year. I, it, avoid holidays, right? Or avoid birthdays or things of that nature and big social events. Don't be doing it when you're like planning a wedding or something like that, right? So then to kind of close out every episode, if you're new to the podcast, I like to share a recipe and I like to talk about something that's involved with cooking. Last week, since it's summer, we talked about grilling, and then I shared an elote dip recipe, which is on the Instagram page, and you can go check that out or just listen about it last week uh, in that episode. But, uh, you know, we did an episode on meal prepping, and one thing I'm finding a lot lately, like I'm really big on not wasting food, and I just want to talk about, you know, even when I talked about in the meal prep episode, you don't necessarily have to prep everything you're going to eat for the week but you want to make a plan. So when I went into this week on Sunday, I decided to make about 12 servings worth of basmati rice. And I have a 16 month old, he loves rice. Uh, and my wife and I love rice. And so, you know, on Sunday, when I made rice, I uh, basically made burrito bowls. So my wife is pescatarian. Uh, so uh, I actually made hers vegetarian, I think. And I did some uh, chipotle chicken thighs with it uh, and basically your your chipotle ingredients right I had the basmati rice I had uh, chipotle uh, adobo chicken with chicken thighs uh, some black beans some cheddar cheese a jalapeno crema some fresh red onion and some diced tomatoes uh, and some guac and some light sour cream and that was money that was dynamite that was awesome 
Uh, and then, but I still had all this rice. And so I'm the type of person, like I mentioned several times before, that can eat the same thing over and over and over again. But my wife's not like that. And I didn't necessarily meal prep for the week. So to get creative, you know, so rice is the premise of the ingredient. That's the starch that I'd be using all week. So then on uh, Monday, I, uh, to utilize that rice and whatever, made a stir fry. So lots of veggies, uh, protein for me, some salmon for my wife, and then uh, made a stir fry over the rice, which was a totally different flavor profile. So I went, uh, you know, really heavily Mexican Latin cuisine to Asian then. And then uh, last night I made uh, Greek chicken bowls, and that's that's the one of my favorite recipes that I wanted to share. And the point I'm trying to make is just repurpose your leftovers. Uh, and some basmati happens to be my favorite kind of rice. Jasmine's great. Brown is fine. We'll talk about that at some point too. I think there are some misconceptions that people have when it comes to the health benefits of a white rice versus a brown, and then like a sweet potato versus a regular potato. So we'll get down into the food science of that. That would be a good episode. But uh, my point being is don't waste food, people. We waste too much food in this country and in the world as it is, but especially in America. And don't get in a slump. You could do a lot of different things with rice. You could even put it in a wrap of some sort. Uh, just change the flavor profile of different cuisines. Uh, so... Uh, the one, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite types of cuisines is like a Mediterranean or a Lebanese or Middle Eastern where you have like these skewered meats and you, you know, basmati rice is a staple. Sometimes it's infused with turmeric or curry or cilantro or a combination of sorts. But, you know, rice was my foundational staple that I built my meals around this week. So definitely do that, whether it's around your protein or your, your starch slash carbohydrate or even around your fats and use seasonal ingredients and just, you know, in, inject some variety into it. So uh, the, the recipe I'm sharing this week can be obviously customized to your liking. But the way I like to do it is I like to marinate some chicken thighs in any Greek dressing of your choice. Uh, and then I've talked before about having Cavender's Greek seasoning, the low sodium version for me. Uh, so, you know, let that sit, marinate for at least an hour if you have. If you don't even have the hour, you can put it all together in the pan too. That's fine. I like to cook that in a skillet. And then I already had my rice cooked, so I didn't have to worry about that. So I measured out the appropriate portion of rice and then I added my protein. Uh, again, going back to some of those ingredients, I used uh, some red onion, some tomato, some chickpea, which is a, like a Mediterranean ingredient, uh, this time some feta cheese, and then uh, tzatziki sauce, which again, if you listen to the, some of our, my previous episodes, we always have tzatziki. It's an easy way to get some more protein in, even if you make your own or buy it from the store, yogurt-based, cucumbers, good stuff, uh, and then some fresh dill on top. And it's absolutely dynamite. You could even eat it cold. Of course, I ate it warm, but you could eat it cold. And there's just so many different things you could do if you reframe your mindset around, okay, I'm going to make a big quantity of something for the week, but what else can I do with it? And then you'll just become a better home cook too because you'll get more creative and utilize what you have on hand. And that's really what a lot of chefs do anyway when they go off a menu or you see specials and things of that nature. So... 
Uh, I encourage you to check that recipe out. You can make it in a large quantity if you're meal prepping. It's a great macro-friendly recipe and very customizable to your liking. You know, maybe if you want to have some olives on hand or you have olive tapenade, that's another Mediterranean ingredient, or you want to do fish instead of uh, chicken, or you want to do beef, or you want to do a kebab. It's very customizable and use whatever you have on hand. Don't waste food. Uh, and until next time, stay hungry and never skip egg day. Thanks everybody.